talking about? We talking about getting back on track. That's it. That's it. We need to get hey. First time since 1971 in franchise history. Two picks. Yeah. Six You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. You just heard a very fired-up Shane Steichen reacting to the Colts' 27-13 win over the Carolina Panthers. I'm Matt Adams. This is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. This is your Monday recap of this week's Colts game. Not much offense, so it's up to Kenny Moore and the defense to save the day. That's kind of the theme here in this week's game. Good news is, though, losing streak is over even with some offensive offense, and that really goes both ways here in this game that was ruled by the defense with the Colts' defense really ruling the day for them. The Colts finished with 198 total offensive yards. Panthers had 275. Gardner Minshew, 17 for 26, 127 yards. One TD, no interceptions, no fumbles, one sack, 4.9 yards per completion. The big news, the big headline there is no fumbles, no interceptions. The Colts on offense did not turn the ball over. They had one turnover, and it came on special teams. The rest of the offense here, Jonathan Taylor, 18 carries for 47 yards, just 2.6 yards per carry, five catches for 22 yards, including the team's only offensive touchdown, Zach Moss, seven carries for 26 yards, 3.7-yard average. Michael Pittman, eight catches for 64 yards. Josh Downs, one catch for 10 yards. He left the game with a knee injury. The longest play of the day for the Colts came via Drew Ogletree on a 19-yard catch. He left the game with a foot injury. So that th- there you have that. The, the Colts were devoid this week of big plays, and ESPN.com defines those as plays of 20 yards or more. They didn't have any of those this week, and you know I, I harp on it. I guess that's my pet statistic this season. Uh, I'm very impressed by the uh, number of explosive plays or big plays that the Colts have been able to find on offense this year through scheming guys and some of the individual talents that they have on the roster, but they were not really able to do much against this Carolina defense in this game. Now, a win's a beautiful thing. I'm not going to go all negative, but it was not a pretty offensive performance from either team in this one. Um, And and I just kind of, as a capsule, as just a a vignette, a picture of what went into this game, on the Panthers' first drive, they faced a third and short. They picked up a false start penalty. That pushed the ball back five yards. They were unable to pick up the first down. They ended up punting. That was their first drive. So the Colts get the ball. Their very first drive... They get into a third and one situation. Indy appeared to convert it on a short pass, but the referees flagged Quentin Nelson for being an ineligible receiver downfield. So that turned that third and one into a third and six. Still achievable, right? But then Blake Freeland got flagged for a false start. So that turned your third and one now into a third and 11. Josh Downs caught the next pass for 10 yards, just short of the marker that forced the Colts to punt. You know what? That's just kind of a, a capsule of that ball game. Like, those were the first two drives. They were ugly. 
They were mistake-filled with the penalties, and that's just kind of the football game we were all treated to on Sunday. This was a late kickoff for the Colts. Not a lot of the country necessarily saw this game because uh, there were other matchups going on. This would not be a high-priority game for a lot of people to watch unless you're in the Indianapolis and Carolina markets. If anyone did happen to to see this one, they, they didn't necessarily see the team's best. But you know, as a Colts fan, they got the win this week and uh, broke that three-game losing streak. You really can't argue with that. You love to see a W get in the, the, the win column no matter how you get it. So let's hear from head coach Shane Steichen. Um, just injury update, Tony Brown concussion, uh, Josh Downs uh, knee, and then Jerome tree has got a foot. Uh, with that, ready when you guys are. Was, was Josh Downs a new injury, or is that just what he was dealing with in the week? He was dealing with it during the week, so, yeah. Kenny Moore, obviously, two huge plays, but um, just ball skills and ability to Phenomenal. I mean, really, to be honest, there's no surprise there. The way he practices, the way he works, he shows up, he watches tape, he does it the right way, and when you do it the right way, you're going to make plays on Sunday, and that's what he did for us, which was huge. I mean, 14 points uh, by him was phenomenal. What's the vibe like in the locker room after this one where three-game losing streak, it felt like these guys needed this one? Oh, no, it's huge. Anytime you lose three straight, you got to get back on track, and uh, we felt that this was the week to do that, and uh, we got it done, and now we got to get our minds right to go to Germany. Kenny's always been an instinctive player. Just what role does a player's instincts play? In- it's huge. I think that's part of it. The best players in the league have great instincts. You know what I mean? You coach them as hard as you want, but the guys that are really good with ball skills and good instincts, uh, sometimes that takes over. And uh, he's got a great feel uh, for that position inside there at the nickel position. And uh, he just continues to show up and make plays. I would say the result speaks for itself. Is Kenny one of those guys you can lean on when you're, you're on a three-game losing streak, no veteran in that locker room? Oh, there's no doubt. Those veteran presence in there, him and Buck and, you know, Grove and all those guys, I mean, th- those guys are legit players. And, uh, you know, when you know you have a tough time in this league, sometimes you lose three in a row, how do you respond? And you, you lean on those players in the locker room uh, to bounce back and have that veteran leadership, and that's what they did for us. How much has it been for us, Buck, to set the tone early with the pass rush and making Bryce Young a little bit more heavy? Yeah, no doubt. It's huge. Uh, Buckner obviously sets the tone week in and week for us, uh, week in and week out for us uh, up front. And I think when you can get pressure on the quarterback and you play tight man coverage, you know, on the back end, uh, those windows are small uh, for the quarterback. And uh, anytime you get pressure on the quarterback, it helps. Just in general, what kind of look do you think this brings to the defense? They were kind of frustrated this week off last week. Yeah, no, it's huge. I mean, this league, there's waves up and down. Like, shoot, offensively, shoot, we got to be better than we were in the second half, you know. But the defense stepped up this week and, and made plays for us. And uh, that's part of this league. But being consistent, Consistent is, is the big process. We've got to be consistent week in and week out in all three phases uh, going forward. JT getting involved in the passing game, especially in the first half, was that part of the game plan or was that just kind of flow of the game? Yeah, some of those things were. I mean, some of them were just happenings. I mean, early on we threw him the first play of the game, which was designed for him, and then some of those other things, those check downs are just happenings. Do you feel that momentum shift like during the game when Kenny makes a play like that? Oh, it's huge. I mean, that stuff is huge. You get a pick six. I mean, you can feel the whole stadium, the crowd, the sidelines. I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge deal. Anytime something like that happens, uh, it's big. Particularly the timing of it too, because it's, it's oh. late in the first half, oh, trying to drive. Phenomenal. I mean, right there at the end. I mean, to get that. I mean, it's 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 huge. You know, you go up twenty to three right there. You know, they're trying to get a two minute drive. We deferred, so it's like shoot, let's try to get the double dip without them touching the ball, and then bang, we get. You know, they get they get the uh, we get the score off it to go up twenty three. I mean, it, it, it's huge, huge momentum. Shane, when you're thin at spots, when you get Sagoon. Eric and, and Tommy helping out. What does that, that do when you're at certain spots? Yeah, no, it's huge. I mean, just like in this league, we always talk about next man up. And, uh, you know, Sagoon obviously gets in there and gets an interception there uh, down the middle of the field, which was big. Um, and Tommy and uh, Eric, you know, they stepped up inside, you know, for us at the D-line today. And uh, the defense was phenomenal. What does it do to a quarterback? 
Yeah, I think that's big. I mean, inside, when you can condense the pocket from inside the pocket, and not, you know, the edge rushers are huge too, but, you know, for a quarterback to try to step up vertically into the pocket with guys right there, it's hard to throw it. It really is. you got to sidestep, move around. And, and, you know, Bryce made some plays out of the pocket, scrambling on third down, and, and that stuff happens. Uh, but uh, I thought our defense was great. Awesome. Thanks, guys. So, Coach, plenty to say there about Kenny Moore and the defensive effort. And uh, gave us also some injury updates there. And I'll recap those real quick. Josh Downs left with a knee injury. That's something we're going to have to really keep an eye on because it had been very clear to me that both Gardner Minshew and Anthony Richardson, when he was healthy, were really relying on Josh Downs. And that kid has had a great rookie year so far. Tony Brown suffered a concussion on special teams and did not return. That happened fairly early in the game. And, you, you know, uh, he had a rough game last week. I, I think we talked about that ad nauseum both in uh, the game recap podcast and also when Dave and Mike joined me on our game preview podcast as well. Then Drew Ogletree, the tight end, had a foot injury. So those were kind of the three injuries that the Colts were looking at after that game. This one belonged to the defense. I mean, this defensive effort, and, and I, I know that, you're going to put a little bit. You're going to have to put a little bit of an asterisk by this one because this Carolina football team is so so bad. They lack. Uh, they're they're lacking at skill positions. They're lacking at offensive line, and they've got a rookie quarterback. And you know he just he really struggled. You know they, they got their first win last week. It wasn't a real beautiful game, but they got the win last week over the Houston Texans. You know, they came to this game one and six against the Colts, and then the Panthers are at home. You're thinking that, you know, they're going to try to try to build on that momentum. They're, they're going to play a little bit better, and there just was not a whole lot happening here on the offensive side for the Carolina Panthers. And, and some of that does come down to, to personnel and some roster deficiencies and those types of things. But really, the, the Colts did something that I, they have struggled to do in the last several seasons. And it's that when they are the superior team, when they have an advantage, that they're able to actually take advantage of it. They're able to just kind of put their boot on the other guy's neck and, and press down. And the defense was able to hammer down on this Carolina Panthers offense. You know, the, the Colts have a tendency over the last few seasons to just sort of play down to their competition. So when they face a mediocre team, you kind of get a mediocre performance. When you face a good team you know, sometimes they're able to kind of get up for that game. And so it, it, it was heartening for me anyway to see them just go out from a defensive perspective, knowing that this was a, a, a poor offensive line, knowing that this was not a great receiving core, knowing that Carolina didn't have a tremendous running game. Although I think Carolina's running numbers were a little bit better than I, I, we necessarily expected them in this game. Mostly, you know, you know they, they split carries between Chuba Hubbard and Miles Sanders, and then Bryce Young had some rushing yards that, you know, necessarily we didn't expect. But those aren't such a bad thing for Young because he's not exactly a running quarterback. He's not immobile. He can, he can move. He can run. But that's not necessarily his, his game and what they brought him here to, to Carolina for. They brought him in to be a pocket guy, uh, you know, to be an NFL passer. And 
while he has struggled in that role, the, the reason that he had some rushing yards was not on designed runs. They weren't running read options. They weren't running, you know, type of RPO things where he was getting free and on the boundary of the defense and that sort of thing. Bryce Young got his yards because the pocket collapsed and, you know, the Colts were in man-to-man coverage or playing deep zone sometimes, and there was just kind of a void in the middle of the field. And so Young could show some escapability, move right up the middle of the field, and and get some yards and that's how he got most of his yards this game it wasn't like Richardson where when he was playing for the Colts he was able to get yards from things that were designed to get yards for Bryce Young these yards were desperation yards because he was harried he was under pressure the whole day and it just so happened to be that he was able to get out of the grasp of a defender and get upfield. And you're going to surrender some of those plays sometimes. And I think the Colts, knowing the, the team that they were playing and knowing the quarterback that they were going up against, uh, they, were, they were more than content with, with that. Now, Young just had uh, 173 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, just 4.4 yards per completion. Minshew didn't have a great day. I mentioned earlier 4.9 yards per completion for Gardner. So, you know, just not a lot of offense here. Both both defenses were just kind of clamped down on receivers, and there just wasn't a lot of room for stuff in this one. Uh, they sacked Young four times and just consistently collapsed the pocket. I mean, DeForest Buckner. I mean, just let me talk about DeForest Buckner for a, a, a minute or two here. Uh, he had a monster. I mean, the, the stat column isn't going to blow you away. He had a sack, and he had two tackles for loss. And as a defensive tackle, taking on those double teams, and really with Grover Stewart out as well, putting a little bit more of a putting more on Buck's shoulders, and there were uh, there was already a considerable amount resting on those considerably broad shoulders for DeForest Buckner, but he was constantly in the backfield. He was slicing in between guys. He's pushing guys over, going through them, beating those double teams, and getting consistent pressure from the inside. And that is the hardest thing for a quarterback, to me anyway, is, you know, you might see a guy off the edge. You might be able to step around a guy off the edge, move around. But if a guy is coming right for you, right up the middle, that is really, really difficult to avoid. And, you know, to Bryce Young's credit, it's not like he was sacked every single time, but the Colts really did a good job of of him and him in. And Buckner was really, you know, the primary reason for that, in my opinion. That guy is an all-pro. He's a Pro Bowl caliber player. And the Colts should just be, are are so lucky to have a a guy, a real game wrecker in there. And, you know, I was reading a a column in, or a, a piece in the Indy Star today about, Buckner, kind of recognizing you know some some same same things, and you know that point was made in that article that Buckner doesn't necessarily get the national attention that he's probably deserving of because the Colts have been such a middling franchise over the few seasons that he's been with them, and I think there's some truth to that. They they brought Buck in. And he's been a major acquisition for them. He's been a great player for him. He's a good teammate. He's a good leader of that defense. And he should have a higher national profile. But he plays in Indianapolis. The Colts have not been nationally relevant for, you know, other than uh, retiring quarterbacks and and drafting new quarterbacks and going through, you know, interim uh, coaches and and all this stuff. They're just not notable for the right reasons when it comes to, to Buck. And he has just been so tremendous for them. He had a great game. I, I mean, just go back and look at a couple of the plays, and you'll see that 
that that Buckner, you know, really came through in the clutch here when the Colts needed him. Now he wasn't the only Colts defender with a sack. Quiddy Pay and Eric Johnson uh, were both credited with a half a sack there. Dio Odengbo and Adetamo Adabare each had a sack there. Shaq Leonard led Colts tacklers with 10 this week with uh, Zaire Franklin out of the lineup. Segun Alubi filled in. And it's a pretty good, impressive defensive effort for the most part. I, I mean, again, I know Carolina doesn't have great guys on the outside. They don't have guys in the running game that scare you all that much. And they don't have receivers that are going to put the fear of God into you. They do have Adam Thielen, but he was held down pretty well in this game here. And, and when they've only got like one guy, like it's not like you can always stop the one guy, but if you've only got the one guy, it makes it a little bit easier, you know, on the defense there. But a, a lot of it comes down to something we've talked about on this podcast a lot. And that is pressure from that front seven, especially the front four. If you can get a consistent pass rush on the quarterback and make him get rid of the ball quickly, then those long developing plays, those double moves, those things that have really hurt the Colts in coverage don't become as big of issues for the team because you've accelerated the clock on the quarterback's head, guys can't get the separation, and there's no time for those routes to develop downfield to give up the big plays, which unfortunately we've seen our share of this year with the Colts secondary. You know, uh, Shaq led led all tacklers uh, this week for the Colts, but you know, again, we saw on third down situations, he was not out there very often. Uh, they usually went with Alubi because that's the role that Zaire Franklin has. And Zaire Franklin was out this week, the NFL's leading tackler, with a knee injury. He was questionable going in, and then it was just like he's not going to play this week. So plenty of things to say about the Colts' defense. Very nice effort from them. I mean, even though we know that this Carolina offense was not very good and that this Carolina team is really not very good, you still have to show up and you still have to go and make the plays. And my goodness, did the Colts defense make the plays none more than the great Kenny Moore. His stat line, eight tackles, two passes defended, two interceptions, and two touchdown returns. I mean, look at it this way. Kenny Moore had 115 interception return yards. That made him... Bryce Young's leading receiver. Also, Minshew had just 127 yards passing for the whole game for the Colts. So Kenny Moore had 115 return yards. That tells you both how good Kenny Moore was today and how how rough it was for the offenses out there. No player in Colts history ever did what Kenny Moore has accomplished in this game, and that was to return two interceptions for scores in the same game. First one was a great read from Kenny. He broke on the ball. Young was trying to hit Chuba Hubbard on a check down there on the right side. Kenny undercut that route, picked off the ball, sprinted 49 yards of the end zone. This happened right before halftime, and uh, the, the Panthers were kind of maybe thinking about trying to get into field goal range, get some points on the board there late, and uh, they were unable to do that thanks to Kenny Moore's great play, and then suddenly the Panthers were down 20-3. to And the game kind of went back and forth a little bit after that with the offenses really not doing a whole lot and I mean the Colts didn't score a single offensive point in the second half anyway they just it was a a punt fiesta for them over there and then the Panthers couldn't muster up much either they did have a drive that got them a touchdown and that did bring it to 20 to 10 so it made it a 10 point game but then in the fourth quarter lightning struck again when Young sailed a throw on a screen pass Moore was right there the Johnny on the spot outran everyone else for the 66-yard score. And now this is not a combined thing, but Kenny Moore individually outscored the Colts' offense, and he also individually outscored 
the Panthers' offense. Kenny Moore was responsible for 14 points in this 27-13 to win. Now, without him, much closer game, much tighter game with him. I mean, the way that Carolina offense played and the way that the Colts' defense was really controlling things, I think the first interception return effectively did things for this game in, in most respects, but there's always that threat. You know, a fluke big play, a big return. We did see one of their returners get loose for a little bit here. Something like that could always happen. But you, you really did feel the Colts were in control, even after the, the Panthers got it to 20-10. to 10. I mean, I wasn't expecting the Colts to do much on offense because it just wasn't that kind of day for them. But when you got that production from the defense, just the way they were dominating the line of scrimmage there, um, the tackling was pretty, pretty good for the most part in this game. And then, you know, the two big plays from Kenny Moore getting on the scoreboard, a defensive touchdown, man. Anytime you can get that at any point in the game, it just really puts the pressure on the other team. I've talked enough about Kenny Moore. Let's hear from Kenny himself. What does that stand for you? What does that mean to you? Uh, resilience, um, consistency, uh, just trying to be a great teammate, being in the right spot, um, a guy that they can trust and, and, and lean on. And uh, I just want to do it for the team. I just don't want to do it for the team. Feels like you, you have been trying to get back to those flash plays. You've had a good year, I think, but I know that's a big part of what you do. Um, did you need this? Did you, you know, kind of make that splash you've been looking for? Um, honestly, uh, <clears throat> you know, coming back in the spring, working with the team, training camp, obviously getting hurt for, you know, sitting out a week, and then getting back with the team. Um, I think I've needed every moment that I've had here in the organization this year just to just to feel like me. Um, we've already talked about, you know, everything to, to getting back to who I am. Um, and, I, and I have a lot of great vibes. I have a lot of great energy uh, with the organization. You know, just being in a position to <clears throat> make the plays, um, that's all you can ask for as a player. All you can ask for is the trust and the uh, consistency aspect of it. And... Um, I feel great. I feel great. Um, this game, um, you know, there's some things that we got to clean up, some spots that, you know, even individually, myself, uh, some plays that I left out there uh, this evening. But um, we're going to chalk it up on the on the drawing board and uh, be better next weekend. I mean, what is the feeling like when you get a pick like that and you kind of realize you're going to take it all the way back and you're in someone else's stadium? Yeah. It would have been more turned up if it was in Lucas Oil. So uh, we're going to try to do that too. But um, just trying to be in the moment. Um, you know, as an athlete, you just try to slow down, you know, what's going on. And you want to make the best of that opportunity. Um, obviously, the second one could have gotten tackled. I, I'm not sure. But I felt somebody behind me. And um, just try to run through it. I think, uh, you know, as, an, as, a, as a defensive back, you just want to – Create those turnovers, yes, but you want to get in the end zone as well. So uh, it, it was great being able to do that tonight. What's, what's this do for the season after losing three in a row? It's been, it's been a long time since you've tasted victory. Oh, yeah. I think we just talked about it, that in the locker room, just having that feeling again. It feels so good uh, because every week is uh, it's, a, it's a big strain of trying to get the win. Uh, every team you go against is very tough. Um, we've obviously been on a tough stretch here, had some, some losses that didn't feel too good, but uh, yeah, we want to keep this feeling, and you know, uh, we we have New England coming up, so we want to have this feeling again. Do you have see your, your sisters at this? Right. Yeah, I have three sisters uh, at the game. 
uh, two from Atlanta, one from Savannah, uh, Anise, and then my second oldest, her best friend from high school, uh, was here as well. So, so just, was this more special because they were here? And then, like, yeah, I was just talking about this earlier. Um, I know my twin sister is going to be, she, she probably thinks she's the good luck charm. Maybe she is, but uh, I think we got to keep, the, keep them at the game. Maybe they got to go to Germany or something. <laughs> Oh, I, I think um, every moment that I've experienced along the journey has been a historical moment for me. It wasn't just tonight um, and, and what they put in the record books, but um, going to New England, making it out of there to here, being a special teamer, getting my foot in the door, uh, working each day to be um, who I envisioned myself being. And then, you know, obviously being at this point right now in my seventh year, um, every year is it's something that I'm jotting down in my history, um, and it's something that I'll never take for granted. Um, something I'm thankful for. With, with no grow and no Z, how much did like you, know, you and Buck, you know, those guys kind of need to put this game on your back? Uh, it wasn't just about me and Buck. Um, Alubi, he he stepped up a lot for Z. Um, obviously, um, we were we were in a position to communicate a lot, and he did a great job doing that. Um, Julian. And, and YT, Ronnie Thomas, the corners that we had out there with JJ and DJ, um, and, and obviously the D-line, they had a heck of a day. Um, so I know D4 pretty, pretty much handles, you know, the front front four. And um, me and everybody else, we were, we were all working hand-in-hand -hand to, to try to bring this thing together to, you know, limit the score. As corners, can you, can you sense when the D-line's getting, like, pretty consistent pressure early in games? And what does that do to your mentality? It works uh, hand in hand, uh, coverage and and you know rush working together. So um, I think we were just trying to make it tough on the quarterback to try to you know spend a little extra second or two uh, reading the coverage. So moving around was very um, vital tonight. There's a lot of been a lot of talk just in couple past couple of weeks about whether to put you inside outside. Is this maybe an example of kind of what can happen when you let something build and, and kind of be at home in a role like this? Uh, what, what what do you mean exactly? Just as far as like they decided not to move you to outside to, to keep you inside despite the <coughs> out there. Do you feel like maybe this example where it can pay off to, to stay the course? Well, the way we call the defense personnel-wise is based off the offensive personnel. So if, with Carolina, they went a lot of 11 personnel. So three receivers were, were outside. And uh, that's when we go nickel. So, you know, 99% of the game was nickel. Uh, we did have JJ. His helmet came off on a on a hit out of bounds. So, uh, we then moved uh, Nick Cross to nickel, and I went outside. So, um, it just having that versatility and value uh, within the the coaching staff and, and my teammates to have the trust to go out there and and, and do what's called uh, no matter the circumstances. Thanks, Kenny. Thank you. That was Kenny Moore talking about a historically great defensive performance for the Indianapolis Colts again. He had interception return touchdowns of 49 and 66 yards, totaling 115 yards and 14 points. Much needed in this road game. And the Colts are now 3-1 and one on the road this season. They've beaten the Texans on the road. They have beaten the Ravens on the road, which is probably their most surprising win of the season. And then they have now beaten the Carolina Panthers on the road, dropping Carolina to 1-7 and seven on the season. They are, of course, coached by... They're, of course, coached by Frank Wright, the coach the Colts 
let go around this time last season and then led to the Jeff Saturday Festival, and we don't really need to go back and look at that. All right, a couple other notes about the game. No offensive turnovers. They did have a turnover. It came on a muffed punt from Isaiah McKenzie. But, you know, again, we, I, I, I talked at length a little bit about DeForest Buckner and his impact on the game. His sack came on a third and 10 that followed that muffed punt, and that third and 10 sack put the Panthers back in a fourth and 20, and they had to punt. They were not in field goal range. So, you know, that's the kind of impact that you that you need from your big players. Uh, Segun Alubi snagged the first interception of his career. You know, the Colts didn't do much on offense but uh, after that interception, but they did make the Panthers burn their remaining timeouts. Matt Gay nailed a 57-yard field goal with under a minute left in the first half. That was the second longest in franchise history. And then, of course, Kenny Moore's first interception return happened on the ensuing Panthers drive after that as the Panthers tried to, you know, try to muster some points, get some yards, muster some points there at the end of the half. Penalties were also a big story in this game. The, the, the Colts had a couple there on that first drive, but overall five for 25 yards for them. But Caroline had 10 penalties for 81 yards. And there were some killers here. There was an offsides penalty on a punt that kept the Colts' drive alive and led to the team's first field goal on a day when points were at a premium. The same drive also included an unnecessary roughness on a QB slide where, where Minshew uh, had gotten to the first down marker, he slid, and the defender hit him. It's kind of rough. I mean, sometimes you do feel for the defense, like what are these guys supposed to do? On the other hand, if you think a quarterback's going to slide, your best option is to just, you know, he's going to give himself up. Don't, don't hit him. But I know guys are just not necessarily wired like that. They also had a hit on a defenseless player for Michael Pittman uh, on, on a catch where he got uh, taken down. And uh, they called that player for launching into Pittman on that play. And again, another tough one because Pittman's a big guy and the defensive back was trying to dislodge the ball from him. But I, I think because he sort of jumped up into him, and a little bit of maybe some helmet-to-helmet -helmet contact. I think that's probably why they flagged him for that one. The, the problem with that is that play happened on the, the Colts' only touchdown drive So on, on offense. So, again, you have a situation in which you've made a, a blunder. It's led directly to points. On a day, I, I hate to repeat myself, but on a day when points on offense are at a premium, in addition to those penalties, they had multiple penalties on uh, kick and punt returns. So just kind of a, a sloppy, undisciplined 1-7 team that the Colts faced. But they went in and they got the win. And that's, that's what you need from them. So the Colts are now 4-5 with the win. They're third place in the AFC South, just ahead of those Tennessee Titans. They'll take on the New England Patriots next week in Frankfurt, Germany. Kickoff is 9.30 a.m. Eastern time in the Indianapolis market. The game airs on Fox 59 outside of the Indianapolis market. You'll also find it on NFL Network. This game represents the Colts' only true national broadcast. When this game happens next week, they will be the only NFL game you can watch at that time. And unfortunately, we're sending a middling Colts team over to Germany along with an uncharacteristically bad New England Patriots football team. Thanks, National Football League. On the next episode of the Colts Blue Zone podcast, Dave Griffiths and Mike Chappell will join me to preview the game, talk about everything Colts-related. That'll do it for this episode. I'm Matt Adams. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.